It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. After 32 days and 64 games, it is France who take home the World Cup. Felicitations to France, commiserations to Croatia. Hello and welcome to the game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. It seems like only yesterday that Robbie Williams was gesturing obscenely into a camera and Diego Maradona was channeling his inner Robbie just days later. Spain sacked their coach two days before kickoff, while the players of Argentina allegedly overthrew their manager mid-tournament. VAR brought added drama, Neymar, amateur dramatics. Holders Germany were packing their bags before the knockout stage. And it's been the summer where English optimism in the national team has been restored as we were all swept away in a sea of cane goals, Maguire memes and record waistcoat sales. Football didn't quite come home, but it is close. It's just across the channel. In the studio alongside me for our final podcast, it is Mr Matt Hughes. Hello. Hello. And in Moscow, having watched the final, it is Oliver Kay and Ollie. I understand you're a little bit soaked. Yes, I am indeed. I am indeed. I was um, sitting on the uh, front row of the press conference um, waiting to hear from Didier Deschamps and he sat, he, 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 he sat down and um, just as he began speaking, um, the French players led by Paul Pogba and Benjamin Mendy and um, well, all of them basically, they all ran in with champagne and Powerade in some cases and, and other energy drinks and proceeded to soak um, Deschamps, soaked the rest of us, um, soaked my laptop, soaked my clothes. Um, started singing Deschamps May and, um, and then they kind of apologised and then they came back in again and did it again and started jumping on the desk and it was, it was, all, very, it was all very funny I mean I, I don't know whether I'm, I, I, I tweeted about it and I mentioned being soaked I don't know if anyone thought I was complaining I think so. one of the highlights of the World Cup for me it was, um, <laughs> it was great and probably fitting fitting end to the uh, tournament Later on, we're going to be looking back at some of our own highlights from the tournament with Matt Dickinson. But first, France are champions of the world for a second time, 20 years after their first title. They eventually ran away from Croatia, winning by four goals to two. But that really is only half the story. History was made 10 minutes before halftime with the score at 1-1 and the first ever World Cup final penalty awarded after a VAR review. Ivan Perisic punished for handball. Uh, the referee was uh, Nesta Pitana. He was invited to have a look on the touchline monitor. Uh, he had several looks, took his time and then decided to give the penalty. Ollie, was that the right decision? Um, 
I felt it, I, I felt it was harsh. If you take the view that it has to be deliberate handball, I didn't think it was, but I've, I've heard just as many people say that it was uh, as that it wasn't. It was one of those that completely split, splits people, really, whether they um, whether they take a sort of hardline view on these things or not. I think it even splits referees. You'd get half referees giving it half not. Um, I think. It, I, I, I sympathise with Croatia completely because it's 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 a harsh way to concede a goal when it, when you when you're one one having fought, done well to fight your way fight your way back into the um, World Cup final. But it's um, it didn't surprise me that he, that he gave it. I could see why he gave it, and I, and I said that, and I said I, on Twitter I thought if it had been me, um, I thought it shouldn't have been, but. Um, then you've got people saying, of course it was a penalty. And then you've got people saying, no, it was never a penalty. Um, I think it's, that, that to me just shows the, um, the range of opinion and range of interpretations over, over these things. So, um, yes, unlucky Croatia. Mm. So it wasn't a penalty for you. And, and Mark Clattenberg would agree with you on that as well. Uh, and Matt, what was clear from looking at the footage that Patana was reviewing was that the incident was slowed down so the referee could clearly see if there was any possible infringement but I suppose the question is if slow motion replays are used won't that more often than not distort the referee's opinion of what he's seeing and if they are showed it in real time that perhaps wouldn't cloud the judgment of a referee would it? Uh, That's true and I know this was a issue in rugby when they brought in the TMO and they initially just used slow motion replays and then they worked out they had to view it at high speed as well to give a you know a, a truer picture I think from the footage I saw, it, he the referee did view it in real time and slow motion, so it, it's not as if uh, he would be excessively uh, misled by seeing it in slow motion. Um, what was more interesting, I thought, was that he appeared to sort of disregard it and then he went back and had one more look and then, slightly different angle, the hand appeared to move towards the ball and that's when I think he made the decision. Um, I think Ollie's right. The fact that there's a debate suggests it was a legitimate decision really I think slightly harsh but you know cliche alert you've seen him given so it's, it's probably probably fair enough is there, is there anything to be said about the fact that he took quite a while to make that decision does that mean he was sort of dithering he wasn't sure either way well you could interpret it that or you could just say he was trying to make sure in his own mind uh, so wanted as many views as possible which is such a huge game I think is is fair enough if he wasn't dithering and just look one look you could criticise him for being hasty um the thing that I slightly irritates me about this is when the pundits are complaining about oh it should be a clear and obvious error which is in the protocol. If the ref- the referee clearly thought he had made an error or an error had been made, it's in it's it's, it's very subjective. It's not sort of um, you can't measure what a clear and obvious error is. So I I think ultimately he probably got to the right decision. I think he'd be damned either way. You know, whichever decision he'd made, you'd get, you'd get half the people saying he'd made the wrong decision. Um, and and the fact that we've got Mark Clattenberg, who, who would have been a referee at this um, tournament had he had he not stopped refereeing, saying one thing, we've got the the actual match referee saying another. I mean, that shows it's not. You know, it, there is no right and wrong answer. It's, it's all interpretation, and that doesn't help, does it? Mm. You're quite right, yes. As you say, it's all down to one person's opinion at the end of the day. Uh, and Oli, Croatia have played 90 minutes more than France in this tournament and the French were able to ease clear in the end. Paul Pogba made the game safe, scoring the third goal on the hour. So 
there's been so much debate about him in a Manchester United shirt. Do you think this could be a springboard for him now at club level? Oh, well, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I don't think. I think the one thing that's never been debated is is, is his ability, which is as, as good as that of any midfielder on the on the planet. Um, I mean, that that goal, the the the, um, the the third goal, his goal, just encapsulates everything that he's got in his locker. Is that the vision and then the technique to play that amazing pass out to the right hand side, and then the the ability to time his run to get box to box to, to to be up there with the attack then when the ball came he hit it with his right foot it got blocked then lashed it with his left foot um in, in you know in, into the in, into the net and it was just it was just a brilliant goal which to me said everything about what kind of player Pogba is and the kind of player he should be for Manchester United I know he does it on occasions for United but I think I think this run of games particularly in the knockout stage has been Perhaps the best run of games I've seen him um, produce, I think, since his Juventus days, when he did look that like this kind of play consistently, or, or more consistently. Um, I don't think he's shown enough of that at United, but he's still a young man. You would bet on him producing that kind of form for United if, if encouraged to do so. And I don't think United and Mourinho have always done the best things to get the best out of him, but... As I said, this shows what he's capable of. I mean, he, in terms of abilities, there aren't many like him. Someone that obviously was a bit of a star for France is Kylian Mbappe, who became the first teenager to score a brace at the World Cup since Pelé earlier in the tournament. Also matched Pelé's achievement of scoring in a World Cup final to make it 4-1. Uh, Ollie, what more can you say about Mbappe? Um, that I don't think we're even close to seeing the best of him yet. Um, he's at a higher level at 18 than, than Messi was, than Ronaldo was. And they, they, they are and were incredible players uh, and were incredible players in their youth. But in terms of playing, you know, winning titles and playing big parts in titles for two different clubs, scoring goals in the Champions League consistently, now doing it in a World Cup, that's almost unprecedented or it's certainly very rare and obviously an example of someone like Michael Owen who had an incredible World Cup shows that you know it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be on top of the world in 10 years time but he can get better and better and better and, and I think as time goes on he'll, he'll he'll become a more central figure in in this France team and, and at PSG if he's to stay there or if he goes elsewhere he's got everything to be an absolutely uh, wonderful player for, for the next 10 plus years. He's got everything, as Oli is saying, to, to become an even better player, Matt. Real Madrid, they'd need a Ronaldo replacement. Is he the man for them? Well, they do. Um, well, not if you believe Real Madrid, who've taken fairly unusual stance of putting out a statement last week saying they don't want to sign him. But, um, you know, Real Madrid are not known for always being uh, straightforward and uh, honest in the way they approach public statements about transfers. I don't know they'll get him this summer, but I, I think they may get him eventually. I can't see Paris Saint-Germain being a club where you'd spend all your all your career. I think, obviously, there's the Champions League project, but he will probably t- tire and get better offers um, as his career progresses because, he, as, as, as we've discussed, he's ludicrously young. <laughs> so, you know, he, any, he could do whatever he wants. Mm. Uh, Ole, Didier Deschamps becomes only the third man to win the World Cup as a player and a manager and and uh, as we've discussed on this podcast he hasn't always been the French media's favourite has he? No and I, I was there um, after their 
third group game against Denmark um, in the same stadium. In fact, um, only what was it three weeks ago, and they drew nil nil, and it was a it was a really kind of miserable um, performance, and and they they got through the group comfortably, but not that impressively, and and the media were giving them a bit of stick, and the fans back home were giving them a bit of stick, and ex-players and, and some of the players who weren't in the squad were giving a bit, a bit of stick, but we can all look at this France team and say, oh, you, you could get more out of Pogba, you could get more out of Griezmann, you could get more out of Mbappe, but I would say that of some of the games that they've played within themselves, but it's, it's that business of winning, isn't it? They, 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 only one team can win the World Cup, there's 32 teams here, one team's going to win, you give yourself the best chance of winning, you, the best game plan, etc. We've seen Spain and Argentina and Germany and others fall because they didn't have a good game plan or, or, or because they didn't look well motivated. Well, France looked focused and organised in every game and they had the individual, individual talent to back it up. Worthy winners and, and a coach who um, I think people have often had question marks about, but, but he's done a really good job at this tournament. It's not like you could have guaranteed winning the tournament had, had they gone 4-2-4 and all guns blazing in every match. We also have to talk about Croatia's magnificent tournament. This is a, a Croatia team that was on the verge of not even qualifying when Zlatko Dalic took over in October. Uh, he led them into the playoffs and they beat Greece over two legs to qualify for Russia. And then they've gone and reached the final uh, of the World Cup. Uh, Matt, just sum up the, the job that Dalic has done. He's done an incredible job, as, as you say. And I think, to put it into perspective... Um, They've effectively played an extra game than France because of the extra time in, in three successive games, um, which testament to their mental and physical strength. They've also relied largely on the same players, unchanged team from the semi-final today. And they started the, the game, the better team. First 40 minutes, it was all Croatia, really. You do feel sympathy for them. Having said that, it's, it's pretty hard to argue against France as worthy winners. Their, their route to the final is... It was amazing, really. You talk about England being on the right side of the draw. France, just to reflect back, Argentina, Uruguay, Belgium, Croatia. Other than Brazil, I'd say those top five of the five of the six best teams in the entire tournament. So to come through that without having to face extra time, never really looking troubled, shows what a, what a good team they are. So I, and I think they are they are worthy winners. France worthy winners, uh, but Oli. Some have been referring to this Croatia team as a golden generation. Uh, is there more to come from them, or, or was this their last chance? Well, uh, Modric is what thirty-two, and Lovren's getting on, and Perisic isn't getting any younger. It's it's um it's it's not necessarily their last chance, but but it's not it's not a young team like the France team is, and not a team that you would say is going to be better in four years, six years, eight years. And I think we said about England at this World Cup, and we did say it, even though some people like making out that we didn't say it, but everything we said was that England has got a really good route towards the later stages of this competition, for, for, from from the last 16 to the to the semi-finals, potentially. And that's what they did. They got to the semi-finals by not having to beat the, the best teams. Croatia were the same. They got through by beating, what was it, Denmark... Russia and England. England aren't one of the best teams. England aren't one of the top three or four teams in the, in the, in the tournament. Um, so they, they got quite a favourable route and they showed unbelievable spirit at times. They showed great skill with Modric and Perisic and others at, at, at other times, Rakitic. But 
they will look back at it, I think, and, and maybe think this this was their chance to do what they so nearly did in 1998. They've gone one step further, but it's not easy um, to win these World Cups. You can't you can't think um, that we'll get a better chance in two years' time. I think looking at the ages of some of those players, I don't think they will get a better chance. And Ollie, just lastly, uh, when you look back on this whole World Cup, what are you going to take away from your time in Russia? Oh well, as a tournament, it has been um, entertaining from the first to the last. I mean, I, I remember coming on the first five or six nights of this, of this podcast, and I, one match after another was just sensational. Russia five, Saudi Arabia nil, and Spain three, Portugal three, Germany nil, Mexico one, Argentina nil, nil Croatia three, and it, all, all these great games. And there's been no let up in terms of the drama and excitement and quality really I, I think it's been a brilliant world cup but I, I will also look back on it as as a a great experience coming to russia and i mean I've, I've been here for three or four days here and three or four days there in the past or never really had time to look around a great deal and you don't get a great deal of time to look around here but obviously there's more time and moscow has just been a joy to be in uh st petersburg is beautiful the other places like Nizhny Novgorod and Samara and Sochi, I didn't get long enough there to, to, to really know what they were about. But it's been a really wonderful place to visit. Everybody, the people have been incredibly friendly. Everything's been inc- incredibly well organized. I'm not saying for a minute that, that, that this um, glosses over um question we, we would have about this um, regime in, in Russia. But, but the people are lovely. The country is lovely. And... Um, I would recommend it to anybody as a, as a tourist destination. Well, Mos- uh, Moscow, a joy to visit. They can't yeah. really. It's just extraordinary. I don't know what's happened to the place. Every time I've been, I've been stuck um, in traffic for five <laughs> hours and paid 10 euros for a glass of water. But, you know, well, I, well, miss, this, I miss this, my slot. This is, a, this is a strange thing. Every time I've been, which has been in you know, September, October, November, and Champions League group stages generally when I've been to Moscow, the place has been at a standstill. And you think, well, Surely it'll be busier than ever when the World Cup's on. I don't know what they've done with um, with the cars, with the people who drive cars. There's <laughs> just so, so many question marks about where is everything, where is everybody. It, it, it's just been quiet. You've got to get around. I mean, it's been a joy to be here for the, for the last um, five weeks. It'll be a joy to come home as well. Don't get me wrong, but, um, but, but it's been great. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. The Game, World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer. We have been giving you a Times trivia teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by Times statistician Bill Edgar. Our very last teaser of the tournament was, which is the only country with two cities that have staged a World Cup final? The answer was Germany. Munich hosted the final in 1974 before Berlin staged the final in 2006. Thanks to Bill for his wealth of knowledge throughout the World Cup. Follow at Bill Edgar Times on Twitter for more statistical nuggets. And you can, of course, read Bill's columns at thetimes.co.uk.
Time for us now to look back at a marvellous month in Russia. Matt Dickinson joins us now from Moscow and you can read his piece about the tournament as a whole in the game on Monday morning. And Dicko, the official Golden Ball winner was Luka Modric. Would he have got your vote? I think that's pretty hard to dispute, isn't it? And, I, you know, I, I know there is a often a sort of feeling that you, you look to the winning team, but I think um, he was... The reason why Croatia were in this final, you know, was a staggering story in itself for the country of four million. You know, there were other contenders. I think had Kante had a decisive role in the final today, he would have been right up there for me. But yeah, I don't think anyone can seriously dispute Luka Modric. Well, Matt, I'm going to ask you, can you dispute it? Uh, after now, I might try. I could have <laughs> three or four Belgians, maybe. De Bruyne and Hazard outstanding every game I saw even in defeat to France those two seem to be playing on their own really and if Lukaku had fronted up I, I kind of think Belgium may have won that game but um, I'm not going to argue against Luka Modric I thought his just his sort of physical fitness for a bloke who looks about seven stone I think is absolutely incredible the way he kind of got better and better in the England semi-final was um, remarkable he just needs to sort of you know be careful which English newspapers you read is a bit more. <laughs> I would agree with Matt on that. Yeah, the only other name that would have jumped out actually is, is Hazard. And I just think, you know, even in that third place game, him running on the ball is just one of the great sights in world football these days. And sadly for Chelsea fans, maybe not one they're going to enjoy much longer. Ah, you mentioned that, Dicko. Matt, you have a story, don't you, about Hazard uh, and perhaps more about the fee that Chelsea could command? Well, as, as we know, very quickly on um, Saturday afternoon after the game, he made it very clear that he would like to leave to go to Real Madrid, which has obviously been bubbling away for a long time, several years. Um, but this summer will be the it's kind of crunch time, really, because he's two years left on his contract. So Chelsea want to make their money. This is the time to sell because he won't re-sign. Um, and Chelsea are kind of playing hardball, really. They're saying it's going to take £200 million match Neymar's world record fee to get him to Madrid. Um you would think, knowing there's had a little bit from observation, really, but he's kind of a quiet, unassuming guy. He's not a guy to go on strike. So you think the fact that he's come out publicly and said what he said indicates he's pretty confident Madrid will put some serious money on the table. So it's going to be one to watch very closely over the next three weeks. Mm, indeed, yes. Um, Dicko, I've got to ask you, who or what has been the biggest letdown for you in Russia? It can be a team, it could be a player. Tell us your thoughts. Oh, biggest letdown. Um, I'm too honest, I haven't just written 1,500 words gushing about <laughs> what a fantastic time it is um, and, and just one of the best tournaments. Um, I guess, I mean, ultimately you do, on the one hand, you want the shocks and surprises. On the other, you know, you want the, the sort of the big boys to step up and prove why they carry those reputations. And, and I, I mean, um, speaking personally, I guess Brazil cost me... Um, uh, at, at least a tenner at the bookies. I'd put my money on them. Um, I'd, I'd know Neymar wasn't fit for a long time, but I mean, the sight of him rolling around on the floor, um, making a fool of himself, um, you know, when so many other players were, were sort of seeking to step up, I, I, I guess, yeah, if I'm going for a letdown, um, I'm, I'm lashing out, and, and not just for financial reasons, at, um, at, at Brazil and Neymar. Okay, Brazil and Neymar for Dico. Matt, how about you? Um, similar reasoning, but different nation and individual. I go Germany and Yogi Lowe, really. Um, obviously, a lot of vicarious pleasure to be had in many parts of England about Germany 
going out in the first round in abject fashion. But you know, it's a World Cup. You want to see the best matches, um, and we were denied a, an England Germany quarter final, which would have been a great occasion and is probably more worthy of a World Cup quarter final than England pretty humdrum win over a very average Sweden team. Um, and it's extraordinary really, when you think back a year that Germany won the Confederations Cup with the basically a B team. Yogi Love would look to be replenishing, I think having won won the World Cup, such strength and depth they left Leroy Sane out and he clearly was taking a longer term view of things in of his planning, but when it came to it he went back to the old guard largely and had, they had a complete shocker. Um and ultimately it's it's down down to low. I'm sure some people would also say Argentina's performance uh, was a big letdown and not surprising that uh, Jorge Sampaoli, the the manager of Argentina, has parted company uh, with the team today. There have been some incredible matches uh, in this tournament. Dicko, which has uh, been your favourite? Um, I guess, well, if I'm allowed to to sort of nick two, I mean, I guess the, you know, watching an England team win on penalties, um, from a purely partisan point of view, you know, because some of us, um, never mind contending for the World Cup, some of us thought we'd never see the day where we even see that. So, uh, I mean, there was, you know, there was just a moment in that in that press box, particularly when it's against deadline, um, when it was sort of, um, you know, had its own, um, as I say, very partisan um, well factor. I thought the, in terms of quality of football, I actually probably thought the first half of Brazil against Belgium was fantastic. I just thought Belgium. You know, again, to say a team I thought would win it, Belgium just took them apart. I remember just sort of sitting there with my mouth open watching it. But, there, you know, there are so many. I mean, there are so many good goals as well. But the one when Luis Suarez landing the ball on Cavani's head to score that header against uh, Portugal. I, mean, I, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> I'm sure you could. You're quite right. There's been some terrific goals. And we'll speak a little bit more about that in just a moment. But, uh, Matt, what about you? What, what game stood out for you? Um, well, again, being slightly self-indulgent, I was in Paris for the France 4-3 game against Argentina, which was being an amazing game. It was obviously, it helps the the, the you know the, the atmosphere and conditions in which you watch these games are important. And I just thought that was sensational. There were sort of three or four outstanding goals, and France were the better team. But Argentina didn't lie down. Um, I thought that was just a fabulous spectacle and a great start to the, the last 16. And it was and it was kind of reassuring that. It was a knockout game, but the quality continued in the last tournament four years ago. The group stages were entertaining, and then it, everyone kind of just sort of started parking the bus in the real games. But this year it hasn't happened, and the knockout stage has been just as exciting as, as the groups. Mm. Uh, Dicko, you mentioned that Cavani goal. Is that your goal of the tournament, or is there something else? No, I think I think the Pavar goal again. Just the um, the spinning shot um, against Argentina, which just um, the whole connection the strike the way the ball has got spin and curl on it um I, I sort of find myself watching it again and again slightly sort of mesmerized by the way that the way the ball just sort of turns its way into the goal um i tend to generally go for to either team moves or death moves and, and and i think i mean belgium's winner against japan would have to be right up there for team moves but yeah pavard strike is just a, a thing of beauty to watch that ball um curl its way in yeah, our, our producer Charlie nodding furiously. He agrees with you on that one. Uh, Matt, how about yeah, you? I you? agree as well. Boring, off balance, incredible technique from a right back. Um, I also like to mention Ricardo Caresma's outside of the boot 
goal against Iran partly because I had no idea he was still a footballer and he sort of, <laughs> sort of how can how how can he still be playing? This is yeah. a guy who sort of you know laughed out of Chelsea during a loan spell about six years ago, but um, he's obviously still got the technique, if yeah. not the uh, application and consistency. See, I really like Dries Merton's goal for Belgium against uh, Panama. The volley, they, that first time volley straight in. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. But anyway, it's all about opinions, isn't it? Um, any other highlights, Dicko, that we've not mentioned? Oh, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, I mean, in terms of being out here, I mean, which is not unique to this World Cup, but I just sort of have noticed night after night of just going to certain bars in St. Petersburg generally, which is where we were based, and you would just sit around and you're surrounded by you know, people of many nations. And I remember just a couple of times just looking around bars and everyone enthralled. It just felt like there was a game, every game, you sort of almost didn't dare look away. And, you know, today's final sort of, I think, was great in that uh, it sort of summed up the tournament. It was just sort of, you know, oh, my God, I can't, you know, something else has happened and something else has happened and the story's gone even more sort of madcap. You know, there's not a game I want to miss in this tournament. That's, that's certainly how it felt to me. What about you, Matt? Anything else that stood out? Just a number of stories it's generated, like going back to the, the group stages, um, Argentina's last-minute winner against Nigeria, those Iran games where they could have beaten Spain and Portugal. It sort yeah. of felt like, you know, watching at home, family and friends who aren't interested in football normally just got excited by the compelling storylines and the late drama. I also think... VAR has added added to football. I mean, Dicko probably agrees from things we've talked about before. And today's decision was controversial, but it just adds to the to the theatre and spectacle of the occasion. I think, and overall, added to the tournament. Yeah, Dicko, VAR. How do you sort of assess how that worked in this tournament? <laughs> I was I'd, I'd sort of written the words before the game that um, you know how how it sort of gone quiet and how smoothly it. Uh, you know, sort of quietly, it had made its way to the end of the tournament. And, um, yeah, so, sod's law. I mean, I have to say, even as an advocate, a big advocate of it, I, I sort of winced a bit at the uh, handball decision. I think there is a new type of handball we're seeing, a VAR handball. They're the two decisions, I've, the only two that I've disagreed with on the VAR, where, you know, we saw it in the Iran-Portugal game, I think it was, where, you know, crosses come in and sort of someone jumps and a ball strikes an arm of someone who's probably got a view obscured and you read the handball rules um if you um if you're that way inclined and it is the harshest interpretation of them i think and i just think that's just one tiny bit of it that we're gonna have to either tweak the way it's worded or tweak our understanding of what is now handball that does not derail me from the idea that it must be continued, it must be pursued, it's generally for the good of the game. We've seen no red cards of violent conduct, I think that's for a reason. Um, I think we can get on top of grappling using it, I think we can get on top of a lot of things using it, and um, let's not let you know one or two controversies, which are always going to happen around referees, stop us from um, carrying on with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pretty successful VAR uh, World Cup, hasn't it? Um, just to mark your cards about my highlight, uh, Mishi Bashwai smacking the ball against the post <laughs> and then rebounding back onto his face. That was a pretty funny highlight for me. Um, Harry Kane, he won the golden boot with his uh, six goals at the tournament. Uh, not many from open play, though, Matt. Uh, no, um, just the one. He didn't know about it, basically, wasn't it? Sort of off the, off the heel. It's interesting. I mean, you know, tournament of two halves, really, until the extra time against Colombia had been outstanding. And I thought the Colombia performance was 
certainly one of his best for England, but since then he's barely featured. I think we'll probably learn more over the days and weeks ahead about how fit he was, what injury he was carrying when he comes back for pre-season for Tottenham, but he, he clearly was not himself, whether it's just fatigue after a very long season and the emotional high of that Columbia game or whether he had a specific injury I'm I'm not I'm not sure but it, it kind of it's ridiculous given he's won the Golden Beat but it sort of felt like his tournament ended on a on a whimper really but as it is he is the Golden Boot winner and now we can't ignore the elephant in the room the next World Cup will be in Qatar in four years' time. It's going to be a Winter World Cup. There's also talk of expanding it to 48 teams. Uh, it's certainly going to be a different experience, Dicko. Uh, it is. I mean, I guess none of us quite know in the sense that, you you know, we consider what um, we saw coming into Russia. And, you know, I think there were perfectly legitimate questions to be asked about how, you know, it was going to feel like, you know, we had the hooliganism of, of Euro 2016 with, with Russian um, thugs. And, you know, we we were right to ask those questions. But I guess we've had yet another reminder that World Cups show a place at its best. You know, Russia has absolutely been at its best, its sort of happiest, shiniest face. And, you know, basically the football transcends almost the venue. Um, you know, the football stands out and I think even in Qatar which is a decision I thought was catastrophically scandalously awful for a number of reasons I guess ultimately you know if you get if you get 64 blooming great football matches then you know that redeems anything um, and I'm just hoping that I guess we get a tournament uh, if it's anywhere near as good as this then maybe we'll even forgive the Qatar decision. That's it for this World Cup. Many thanks to my guests today, Matt Hughes, Matt Dickinson and Oliver Kay. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for just a pound a week for your first eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. Thanks to all of you that have listened to us throughout this tournament. It has been a real pleasure to be your host over the last month. The Game Pullout and The Game Podcast will return in time for the new Premier League season, so do enjoy the rest of your summer. The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.